welcome to Buenta Vista episode 70. Uh, ooh, I'm struggling to come up with something. Oh, something come on, relevant, Andrew. Relevant Pressure. for the 70. 70. Uh, oof. That's retirement age. Uh, yeah. This podcast is now eligible for the pension. Oh, oh finally. Nice. Finally. Nice. Which is somehow different to what we're doing now, which is being supported by... <laughs> Other small, small payments from other people. Yep. <laughs> no, that sounds about right. Uh, I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Ben. Hello. Ben. Hey. Hey, man. Hey. Hey. It's nice to see you um, with my ears after after not seeing you last week. Hey. Yeah, I had to go to the worst place in the world, and uh, that precludes me being able to do the podcast. Apparently, you had to go to Disneyland. Hmm. It's the happiest place on earth. Although I can see why you're getting confused. <laughs> I had to go to Sydney, which is where I believe uh, you are. That's true. <laughs> wow. It's, well, I, oh, hold on a second. First, hello, Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Oh, hi. Hey, dude. Hey, bro. What up, bro? Hey, for one of the, um, one of the only times ever, we got two chicks on the podcast yes. right now. Oh, see, Woo. now it's Two chicks. One equal, podcast. Equal representation. <laughs> Two chicks, one It stops podcast. being progressive if you make a big deal out of it. If we'd said nothing about it and acted like it was normal, something we might have appeared good for once. I hope well, you me... boys have been um, saving up all your respect to give mm. us. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have I'll a sense that I've not been giving it to anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. You have to like disrespect women for a whole week before you're able to respect a woman properly. Yeah, I've, I've had to be an absolute bore. I've had to be actively disrespectful all week long. Um, most of my personal and professional relationships are in jeopardy right now, but it's been worth it. It's been worth it because we are joined by Eleanor Robertson. Hello. Hi, folks. Hey. Thanks for you, having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, and this goes out specifically to the one person who complained <laughs> to us on Twitter within the last week and said, hey... What happened like six months ago when you said you were going to have Eleanor Robertson on? I think I mean, they actually threatened to report you to the podcasting ombudsman. That's true. Oh, God. That's true. That's Please don't. <laughs> you have to report you. Although no, as far um, as I understand, the ombudsman can only issue rulings, none of which actually have legal ramifications. Oh, thank God. Look, if I were running a podcast, I would absolutely fear the uh, enforceable undertaking of the podcast umpire. You don't want those strikes against your record. Exactly. Mm. Now, um, maybe you will know Elnor from her writings. Perhaps you will know her from Twitter, where she goes by um, the at Marrowing. Is that, yep. is that how we say it? How we're yep. saying it? Excellent. A word um, that I a word that I made up the day that I joined Twitter, and later discovered that it's a an a type of blanket stitch, oh. which is a lot less cool than I was going for. Huh. It, sounds, it sounds less bony than you want it to, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Less bone-related. Hmm. Well, hmm. anyway, it's been a long time coming, and we are, we're stoked to have you here. We're stoked for the first time ever in the history of audio recordings to have two women at once speaking on a thing. In the history of podcasting. Oh, the I mean, that, of podcasting. <laughs> that's kind of overstating it all. It's the first time it's ever happened where it's not a murder podcast. Well, that's, that's yeah, that might be accurate. Um, what's yes. what's the deal with all those murder podcasts? What's going on there? People love a murder podcast. They're well, big on it. Oh, women love them. Oh, is it a boy. woman thing? 
All right, so. <laughs> without being sexist, is without it a woman being thing? Sexist, I had a friend of mine who happens to be a woman, by the way. Uh, Ooh. She was sort of saying this to me in that, like, a, it's almost a, a mental preparedness thing of, like, you know, men are at a much less risk of being murdered, generally, or at least serial killer murdered. I don't really know, but she was saying that, like, because that anxiety kind of informs a lot of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had genuinely been wondering about this the other day, right? Because, and and I had sort of been pondering a similar thing, which is, um, yeah, if if you are a woman, you tend to live much more in the shadow of a potential murder than a lot of guys. So is it just more? Is it just more in your head? Is it preparedness? I don't know. If only we had some women on this podcast to tell us. <laughs> I feel I feel uh, quite conflicted about this true crime thing because on one hand I think it's um, completely depraved. <laughs> And should probably be banned. But then on the other hand, um, I remember when the first season of Serial came out and I just went completely bonkers for it. I was like, this is fascinating. Adnan's innocent. Adnan's innocent. And now, like, five years later, I'm like, mm, maybe it would be better if that had never happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, well, like, the, it's very obvious that, the, that there's been, like, a huge ripple effect from Serial when you look at like the charts of uh you know news podcasts and stuff it's just like 90 percent. this person went missing on this day and this news bureau is going back through the story it's really obvious that there are just like not not just individuals but how many different um how many different like newspapers and uh, news bureaus and TV stations and stuff have all started up their own podcasts in the hope of also capturing that serial lightning in a bottle. I heard the other day that the ABC now has a true crime division. Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> it's it's very strange to me. I mean, you could... I don't know. You could certainly take the tack if you wanted to that, like, you know, if if people are being murdered then it's it's nice for them to, I guess, I don't know, not be forgotten and for their story to actually be told and for there to potentially be some justice or whatever, but I also kind of think that's not what it is. No, it's definitely been done for super cynical reasons. Yeah, there's just yeah. something very voyeuristic to me about the whole thing. Yeah, I feel like most, uh, most murders are actually extremely boring. Usually it's like two people live together and one of them is a complete psycho and kills the other one. And yeah. it's like, well, do we want to do a podcast about that? Not really, because it's really depressing. Yeah, do like we want to do a podcast about one like episode. someone who mm. mysteriously it's like, disappeared? It's like all the people who watch Cops because they're interested in like the the justice system, you know? That's definitely why you'd watch <laughs> Cops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember how many how many years ago I used to always hang out with this dude and um, go to his house and he had Foxtel. He loved his Fox. He loved um, some somewhere in his top three of things that he loved was um, pint glasses of white wine from a cask, um, his bong, and Foxtel. He sounds great. He genuinely sounds great. He a sounds real cool. a real keeper. Um, yeah, and he would put on cops like while I was high. I would always be like, mm. no. Yes. No, yes. No. Cops is hilarious. Just the 
the absolute to me that has always been like the epitome of the last thing in the world i want to see while i'm high is somebody having their fucking life destroyed for having like half a gram of weed under the back seat of their car you know yeah oh, oh and you're on probation it's back to prison for you <laughs> i feel like uh, at least the american versions of those sort of uh coercive state apparatus procedural reality shows at least they have some kind of um they're, they're quite dramatic you know there's like a guy driving a fucking you know piece of stolen farm machinery down a freeway <laughs> Yeah. He's got like, you know, a bag of, uh, you know, synthetic designer weed under the thing and there's like helicopters and sirens. And he's throwing grenades out the back yeah, while exactly. he's going. But then all the Australian versions and like all the, you know, fucking highway patrol and you know, the airport one where it's like, this suspicious Chinese lady's brought in some abalone. It's wrong. I love border security. Oh, border security. That, oh, my God. That's fucking insane it's like, so it's, good it gets government funding right is that yeah it is yeah, legit. Yeah. it's just film straight it up airport. propaganda yeah 100% just, they'll I can't use... wait till um, they you know there's they there's going to be one episode I'm, I'm 100% convinced of this where like someone is going to be trying to immigrate into Australia with like five suitcases full of hentai and they're be like sorry sir you have exceeded the maximum legal limit of hentai please uh, deposit at least 75% of this material into the hentai bins provided. <laughs> yeah, from memory, you can only carry in 2.2 litres of hentai into Australia from another country. It's so. all going to be in um, uh, clear containers as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was paranoid bringing in my hentai. Yeah. I bought some novelty hentai books in Oh, Japan. novelty hentai. Novelty hentai. Oh, it's for a laugh. Only. Yeah, oh, I did for it sure. to... To laugh at while I'm For fully nude. <laughs> I just wanted to laugh at these uh, anime girls that look suspiciously like children. You know, oh, it's really oh. normal stuff. Yeah, really normal stuff. But I did not declare it. Very glad they didn't catch me and put me on border security. See, I went one step further and I didn't buy any. Huh. Which I Whoa. thought would really have just stopped anything from happening, re-having hentai on my person as I was ben, coming into the country. didn't you have to pay like hundreds of dollars in excess baggage fees because of your bizarre VHS obsession? <laughs> well, I mean, sure. <laughs> Who amongst us? Who amongst us? Multiple hundred dollar amount of money. Uh, but at least... No, I would have been equally as embarrassed if they'd gone through my bags. I'm so glad they didn't because I had like four suitcases with me that I could only move one at a time of and was just like eyeing the dude waiting to see if he was gonna wave me into the we're going through your shit line or not and i was like oh this is just this is gonna be the worst day of my life if this uh, happens so you seem to be carrying six videotaped copies of air bud <laughs> <laughs> now what you've got to understand is i don't think the format's superior but let me show you <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh folks it's been now. Look, look. I know it's normally a pretty, pretty silly week for Australia. Well, let's be real. A pretty silly country. Mm. When you get down to it, the nuts and bolts of it. Pretty, pretty silly country. Silly. But I would say, even by our standards, it's been an extraordinarily stupid week um, in Australian politics. In the old news. Um, if you like to flap open the odd newspaper. You'd see some really, really dumb shit. And I think the one that sort of took the cake this week was the Australian government 
uh, voting in favour of a motion in the Senate to say it's okay to be white. Oh, and also that they deplore the rise of the the rise of anti-white racism in this country, which, as we all know, is a real thing that's happening. Yes. Mm. Very real thing. So, um, yeah, that was kind of one that that just seemed like it came out of nowhere. And as soon as it was happening, everybody stopped and went, wait, what? So we've we've known about this for a month, apparently. By we, I mean people that pay more attention to the news than I do, that this motion was put forward. Uh, but I think it was kind of ignored because lots of these, like, the motions where it's just the Senate votes in support of a sentiment or whatever... Uh, there's a bunch of these like crackpot ones from the minor parties that no one cares about because they're never going to go through and then all of a sudden this one very very almost went through at a vote of 31 to 28 which is kind of terrifying because the whole government voted in favor of it Mm. so um i have a timeline here from crikey.com.au uh, the online news magazine you can have access to for only $6,000 a month. <laughs> whatever, whatever the fuck it is. It's too much. Whatever it is, it's too much. We support independent journalism. <laughs> FYI. But also, it's a lot of money. Yeah, but come on, man. Hey, even when I used to like read it a lot years ago, I would always like look at the subscription thing and be like, really though? Really? It'd always be like, and we'll give you um, 16 box sets of ABC miniseries. I'd be like, what if you don't give me the box sets? Don't you want a don't you want a fantastic DVD box set of the uh, uh, law procedural drama shot in and around inner Sydney called like Attorney Scrud? <laughs> <laughs> if they offered me a very uh, large box set of like every outtake from Gardening Australia, I'm in. Like every single yes. time they had to redo a shot because now uh, we know that fucking. What's his name? Uh, Costa. No, the the other guy. Oh, the other guy. Uh, Peter Cundall. Oh, wait, no. No, I've got confused. I've confused Gardening Australia in my head with Don Burke being a sex pest? Oh, I was. That, was, oh, that was Channel 9. That was commercial TV. Yeah, That's no, true. you're right. There's nothing they could offer me that I would want. Peter Cundall's cool. Uh, he's a communist. Oh, really? Is he? Yeah, he got, uh, I think, arrested in Tasmania for protesting some on some kind of a environmental protest. What? That Bad rules. Peter Cundall. So, Crikey has for <laughs> us um, an article entitled Anatomy of a Fuck-Up, which is pretty spot on. So, they sort of go through the timeline here, which is uh, September the 19th, Hansen puts the motion. Hansen gave notice of this motion a month ago, and it was initially due to be voted on September 20th. As it turned out, time expired before the Senate got to it, so it was held over until the next sitting day. The wording, quote, that the Senate acknowledges, A, the deplorable rise of anti-white racism and attacks on Western civilization, and B, that it is okay to be white, did not change in that time. That's just so There's, meaningless. What does that mean? A movement well, for the Senate to acknowledge something. They do this shit all the time and it's so fucking dumb and I don't understand what the point of any of it is. I feel like that timeline starts far too late because to me, step one in the timeline is the meme, it's okay to be white, is started on 4chan. Yes. Mm. Yeah. True. True. Started on 4chan. Um, 
The ABC says like about a year ago, but I'm sure it's been going for longer than that, hasn't it? I don't fucking know. Sure, no surely idea. Laura Loomer's been wearing a stupid fucking shirt and doing the okay hand single hand signal thing for longer than a year. It's been a while. She is six hundred years old after all, so that's true. Man, Laura is. I I always get um. Who's the other one? There's Laura oh, Loomer. Yeah, you confused her with Lauren Southern. I yeah. did. I did I think last it, time. It was Lauren Southern, right? That wore the shirt when she came to Australia, not Laura Loomer. Yeah. That yes, was yes, Southern. but yeah. but at the time, I think I when we were talking about it, I confused Lauren Southern and Laura Loomer when I was saying they're basically the same. But one of them's Canadian, right? That's the difference. Well, one of the they're, they're both like in their twenties, but one of them's Canadian and looks like she's fifty. Mm. Yeah, and that's Laura Loomer in her twenties. Yeah, pretty sure, she's like twenty five. She looks what. I don't like to bring up a lady's looks, but you love to no bring good. up a lady's looks. <laughs> I'm completely <laughs> lying. I'm 100% lying. Laura Loomer is 25 years old. Holy shit! I think 25. And look at what she's something. achieved. I feel I'm looking, like shit I'm about looking my right life. now. Born in 1993. Fuck wow. off. Um, that's like a, a Stephen Miller from the from the Trump administration, who's 12. <laughs> No, it just, just looks like absolute mm. dog shit. And Having the dude bad is like, thoughts make it come out of your face. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Being extremely hateful. Mm-hmm. I want to pass a, a, a motion in the Senate that the, the Senate supports the right of people to be 12 years old. I don't think I'll ever do that. Deplores the, right, the raise of um, <laughs> anti-12-year-old racism. <laughs> I can see one demographic in the country that would get huge support from. Is it Caleb Bond? I was thinking 12-year-olds. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do we, do we want to talk a little bit about the 4chan thing? I don't well, know. so, I, yeah, yeah. It's relatively straightforward, right? Like, the idea is that it's something where it's meant to be like a, a rhetorical finger trap where people say it's okay to be white and then anyone that objects to it is therefore implicitly saying it's not okay to be white. But anyone that goes along with it is sort of acquiescing to this wink to the camera of saying it's that, you know, whites are a persecuted minority, blah, 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 reverse racism is real, whatever. It's meant to piss people off. That's what the whole point of it is. The funny thing is, when I was looking at this... So, yeah, I was I was skimming an article on the ABC that was talking about the origins of it and saying exactly that. The creators predicted that leftist academics and journalists would understand the slogan's white supremacist origins and recoil in horror, while others who were unaware of its origins would see that as an overreaction to the slogan sentiment. So they put up posters all over uh, high schools and universities in the US, um, and the reactions played out as they predicted. The funny thing was I was I was thinking to myself about, like, how many how many of the same people who would say oh well the sentiment it's okay to be white there's nothing wrong with that uh, you know as as one of the australian senators said in response to this oh well what's what's the opposite that it's not okay to be white um, I'm wondering how many of the same kinds of people who speak approvingly of the phrase it's okay to be white are also disapproving of the slogan black lives matter mm how many people? Probably people's... a big crossover there. Yeah, that Venn diagram's probably pretty circular. Yeah, it's clearly a circle. Yep. Yep. Um, because hey, if you say that uh, the Black Lives Matter, you're saying that no, nobody else's life matters. 
What about blue like... lives, huh? Huh? Oh, what Smurfs? about cops' lives? Navi from the film Avatar. <laughs> My Got God, I, I watched Avatar uh, with uh, with Rupert about a month ago and, you know, thought it would be fun for us to watch because it is so ridiculous and I have this sort of memory of it being really fun to watch because it's so dumb. Uh-huh. And then I put it on and I was just like, this is the longest film I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> After like 45 minutes, I was like just skipping through it, getting to the bit where they, they fuck with their tails. One of the best parts of the movie. I believe the best part of the movie, definitely. Can I ask you one question? Did you rip massive bongs before watching the movie? Um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not really authorised to comment on that. Mm-hmm. I, I can't confirm or deny that, but I, I think you do. Uh, you do have to be in a certain headspace to think... I'm going to force my lovely boyfriend to watch the film <laughs> Avatar for fun. I watched it relatively recently after having like just a, a very large number of brownies and I had just the best time. Like I don't think I've ever had a better cinematic experience in my life. <laughs> but everything in the movie glows. That's very nice. Uh, there's big flying lizards. Check. Uh, yep. That's everything I need from a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I, I also, um, I like the part, uh, you know, the aliens have sex by connecting their weird sort of ponytails together. Mm-hmm. But then also the way that they sort of form a connection. Oh, yeah, they fuck the animals. Giant mm. flying lizards is, is, through this, is through the same mechanism. And the weird horses as well, same and deal. We're just, we're just expected to accept that. Well, it's clearly a metaphor <laughs> for the way that like... Um, <laughs> A lot of people equest- love to fuck horses. Yes, well, I agree. Yeah, a lot, a lot of equestrian <laughs> folk know that when you ride a horse, the quickest way to form a bond with that horse is to have your thumb up its ass the entire time that you're riding it. When you say equestrian folk, yeah, I mean people who are half horse. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Just Clearly, joking. what I mean. <laughs> My avatar experience was that I um I got insanely Everyone blasted. Has one. Yeah, I got insanely blasted in the car park of a shopping centre. Um, hitting, hitting blunts in the car park. And then I went in and watched it in 3D. And, um, th- like, you, you got... You, you, old, you old folks remember 3D? Remember for yeah. a little while there? Hell when yeah, they were like, I remember 3D. Oh, all Made the- me feel seasick as fuck. Yeah, yeah. I hated all, it so all much. All the TVs are going to be 3D now, and every movie is going to have... Two scenes in it where you go, oh, look at that. But um, but Avatar was one of the only ones that they actually like recorded. Um, it, like yeah, it was shot on three D. It was done to be in three D, unlike everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, like, like, like in post. Like ev- yeah, everything's shot in on two IMAX cameras side by side, which is a fucking outrageous rig. Um, and that's that's the only thing that I've seen three D wise when I was like, oh, I get it now. The, I get it now. There's the one good thing I've ever seen in 3D was that the Herzog documentary shot in 3D, Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Oh. That was all about the like 35,000 year old cave paintings in France, uh, which is like the driest subject in the world to be like 3D, but it, it fucking <laughs> worked. It kicked ass. I had a wonderful time. There's only one good 3D movie and it is Jackass 3D. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because it utilised the medium in the correct way, which is to have dildos flying at your face. Firing massive dildos at your face out of a potato Mm -hmm. gun. Yep. Mm -hmm. Can't argue with that. 
So anyway, back to all the racism. <laughs> sure. Oh, right. The racism. The Blue Lives Matter, folks. Blue Lives Matter. Blue Lives Matter. So October 15th, the motion was debated. Any coalition senators claiming they were unclear on what kind of statement they were endorsing clearly hadn't looked as closely as independent Darren Hinch. Motherfucking oh, Darren Hinch. Who said that it was part of Hanson's race to, quote, the bottom of the sewer with her former colleague, Fraser Anning. Similarly, Greens leader Richard Di Natale pointed out the history of the It's Okay to Be White slogan within the white supremacist movement, quote, where both these clowns get most of their material from, he said about Hanson and Anning. He's probably right. The coalition's contribution was for, to the debate was for Liberal Senator Anne Rustin to simply say, the government condemns all forms of racism because all lives matter. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Sot the fuck up. <laughs> Agreed. Further, footage of the division uh, shows Labour senators shouting, really? Really? <laughs> wow, bold. Really bold there, folks. It's pretty good. Party of the working people. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, you, you guys kidding or what? Uh, the footage also shows confused government senators double-checking their voting advice. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. At one point, a female voice is heard responding, We're standing up for Western civilization. I think that was Lucy from the gallery. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. Yep. Good to know that um, Indigenous Affairs Minister Nigel Scullion voted for it. Oh, he fucking sucks, man. Such a piece of shit, isn't he? More like uh, Nigel Scallion, because he's a total onion. God oh. Nice one. Very nice one, Ben. That's good. That. 10 God out of 10. Damn. I'm feeling pretty good. Thank you very much. All right. October 15th, after the vote, in the immediate aftermath, at 7.42 p.m., Attorney General Christian Porter tweeted that the vote was actually confirmation that the government deplores racism. Uh, Matthias Corman was absent from the chamber and didn't participate in the vote, but also expressed his support for the motion, tweeting that the government, quote, deplores racism of any kind. <laughs> Is that how he said it? Probably. That's definitely how he said it. Yeah, Yeah, that's not far off. (laughs) That's actually pretty good. Well done. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Lucy Gagucci tweeted that she opposed white supremacy and black supremacy. Edgy. Edgy. Uh, This is a great tweet. (laughs) This is a great tweet. I say no to white supremacy. I say no to black supremacy. But I say yes to human supremacy. (laughs) We will dominate the galaxy. <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel like humans are already pretty supreme on this planet. Yeah, it's like we're already ringing, there. Ringing the neck of a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Oh. Was that the next animal you figure in the food chain of like dominance on the planet? <laughs> People then <learn> cats. <laughs> hardest, hardest to get around. I find this whole thing, um, uh, it, it has confronted one of my sort of underlying beliefs that I hadn't really articulated until myself, to myself until now, which is that Australia would probably actually be better run if we were run by 4chan than by the government. Hmm. It's really made me question that. They definitely seem to have a better idea of what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's just... Well, uh, I think... So so we have have the sort of fallout from this, which is... um, 
So here we have journalist Kieran Gilbert saying, some Liberal senators that voted for the Hanson It's Okay to Be White motion tell me it was a debacle surrounded by much confusion and followed by a what-the-hell-just-happened moment. There's still confusion within government ranks as to whether that was meant to be their position. And ABC's Patricia Carvelis says, on the okay, it's... Uh, on the it's okay to be white vote, a source tells me most senators didn't know what each individual indiv- division is about at any time. They're dependent on advice and gov- guidance from the minister in the chamber and whip. So the issue here is why the call was made and who made it. I contend that maybe the issue is actually why senators getting paid at least $200,000 a year are not even remotely interested in what they're actually voting for. Hmm, just don't um, know what's going on. As opposed to, like, who is the singular staffer who made the call as to what all of the senators in the government are going to vote on that day? Um, I feel like, a, you know, it's a, you know, we all like to joke about uh, Australian uh, members of parliament and, and senators being, you know, f- just fucked, flabby, pissy babies with a brain the size of a walnut who just walk around, you know, with their eyes shut, banging off the walls. But it is true. It is absolutely true. In the most literal sense, that is what they do and what that they That is what are. they do, yes. It is extremely true. So, um, by by the next morning, um, Christian Porter's office had issued a statement pinning the blame for the whole thing on a staffer. On a rogue email, I believe. Here's the, here's the, Blame it on the intern. Here's the statement. It appears that of the very large number of motions of which my officer's views are routinely sought, this one was not escalated to me because it was interpreted in my office as a motion opposing racism. The associations of the language were not picked up. Had it been raised directly with me, those issues would have been identified. It's kind of interesting, though, that the issues weren't identified by any of the other senators who voted in favour for it. It's and kind like of a weird implication that, like... two sentences long. My, like, you my, can look at the entire bill in, like, less than the time it takes to fart. Well, isn't it weird to be like, um, well, uh, my dumb staffer didn't understand what it meant, but if I had have seen it, I definitely, definitely would have picked it up. Which is really strange, because both him and Matthias Corman, as previously mentioned had tweeted in support of their own, of like the government's vote for the motion after the fact when people are like what the fuck is this both of them said yeah we hate racism they didn't say oh my staffer has clearly put through a <laughs> pro white supremacy vote here <laughs> I love that he thinks it reflects on him well. He's like, I only hire the bitty, the biggest idiots that I can find. You know, I just go down to the bus stop and I uh, I find the guy, you know, scratching his balls through his dax. And I'm like, yep, get in. Get in the office. <laughs> can get you read? Yeah, yeah. doesn't right matter. Here, get in there. Get in here, you rascal. And, um, yeah, like, I, I was also pretty stunned by the idea that, like, you know, the, the fact that, um, Christian Porter, Matthias Coleman, and I'm doing scare quotes. Prime Minister Scott Morrison got his ass. Um, <laughs> thank you, Ben. Um, the the fact that like all of them came out and said, "Yeah, that wasn't supposed to happen," and then they redid the vote the day after. Can we do the <laughs> racism vote again? We got the racism vote wrong. <laughs> 
they did it again. But the fact that they all came out and said that wasn't meant to happen, I took that as being like pretty much as as huge an admission of a fuck up as a liberal government is capable of in in this era of like liberal politics. Um, because at the moment, people can get caught, you know, breaching. Uh, electoral laws, they can get caught misleading the house, they can get caught uh, fucking their staffers and impregnating them they can get caught misusing hundreds of thousands of dollars of money and nothing will ever make the liberals say that is bad and shouldn't have happened we will discipline somebody Um, but apparently this was bad enough for them to say that wasn't supposed to happen Uh, which I thought was a pretty pretty damning from their point of view um but when when you find yourself thinking the best defense that we can muster here is well we don't actually look at the stuff we're voting for that's <laughs> that's not it's not great as defenses go it's not I ideal mean, i've found it really interesting there seems to be uh, a sort of a split on the left in how to interpret this whole series of events like you know, you, you sort of got a spectrum of people where down one end of the spectrum, it's like uh, panic about real serious, like panic about impending fascism. And then down the other end, you've got people who are like, no, 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 it's not fascism. You know, it's just a, you know, the liberal government is in fucking disarray. Like they don't know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. And um, I tend to think that it's like, uh, yes, the government is in complete disarray and they are completely incompetent, but that's due to the influence of the hard right, like inside the party and also sort of in the electorate as well, or like what they perceive as their base, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I think the fact that there was even confusion within their own party about what their position was supposed to be speaks volumes because... Mm. From something from Pauline Hanson. Well, yeah, and, and this is this is the bed that they've made for themselves in the sense of what do we do about Pauline Hanson? Do we do we disown her and her politics? Do we reject everything that she says outright? I mean we did or in the nineties. We... We've really regressed. Well well or or do they do what John Howard did in the nineties, which is adopt her shit and water it down ever so slightly yeah, so that's, that you are that's the that's real true. that's yeah. the real innovation here is what Howard did in just like taking on just enough of sort of hard right fucking white supremacist fascism within the platform of the party so that they weren't actually alienating people who believed in it. Yeah, you, you take on enough to dog whistle to the most racist people in your base who are rejecting you for one nation. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, like the Liberal Party is permanently sort of standing in front of the, the big dial that says racism on it. Yeah. And sort of slowly turning it and looking back to see Waiting if they've for turned it the correct <laughs> amount. Yeah, yeah and, and that's that's the thing with them, though. It's, it's um, you know, they, they always... I think the, the reason this was such a big fuck-up for them is because the way the Liberal Party wants to do it is to do all the dog-whistling racism while always having an insulating layer of plausible deniability. Yep. Yep. And shit that is, like, slogans that are on the T-shirts of known white nationalists and white supremacists who make their careers from fucking parroting these slogans, um, that's, that's just a bridge too far. 
they went too far with it. You know, you can't vote for shit that says deplorable and Western civilization in it, you know, <laughs> anti-white racism and all that kind of jazz. Um, but, you know, it could always get more racist, at least. And good news is that this week it did. Did it? Yep. More racist um, than that? A little more racist, because um, if, if you remember, speaking of One Nation, there was uh, Senator Fraser Anning, who got elected. Oh, right. um, he got elected on the One Nation ticket and then almost immediately defected from the party when he said, hey, that Pauline lady's crazy. She's bloody bonkers. Yeah, God, I love to fucking dial up a news website and click on a news story and the first sentence is, uh, the Senate has killed off any prospect of a national vote on returning to the white Australia policy. Yep. It's like on one hand, it's like, good. <laughs> I guess. So on the good. other hand, it's like, mm, maybe I'll just fly uh, down in front of a train. Yep. So um, if, if you remember, folks, from a previous episode, the name of the episode was A Day at the Racists. Um. And that was the one about Fraser Anning's maiden speech to the Senate, in which he called for a final solution on immigration. Classy, classy stuff. And then within the last week, um, Fraser Anning addressed a neo-Nazi rally at a libertarian conference. Oh, yeah, that that was great. So that was cool. Um, And then after that, he he moved a motion in the Senate saying that um, we should have a plebiscite on whether or not Australia wants to make a return to the uh, white Australia policy, which says that people who immigrate to this country are only allowed to be white. Uh, interesting side note, that uh, the neo-Nazi rally uh, that he went to, uh, the Australian flat out called it a neo-Nazi rally, and they never do that. They always hedge their wording with like, you know, white nationalist or ethno or far right or whatever. Not even that. Yeah, yeah. It's just like pro-Australia, yeah. protecting Australia. But they are. Uh, this was the story broken by Rick Morton, so not one of the most horrible people there. Uh, but yeah, flat out neo-Nazi. Use the words, which is great. That's good. That's a, good start. a lot of how they manage to survive and do so well is that no one ever calls them for what they are. So that that was kind of sick. Yeah, I think they the the group actually build themselves as a true blue crew. Oh, yep. oh boy, there you it know, is. Great, 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 great rhyming there. Um, I feel like if if you know 10, 10 or fifteen years ago, if you heard that there was a sort of Australian group called True Blue Crew, you, you would immediately think that it's a group of a sort of group of lads who uh, have have got themselves together to a, attend summer nats. <laughs> as a as a as an organized contingent. Yeah. It's guys that compare swags. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah. But no, instead it's just it's just racists. It's just racism. Instead of being racists who also like cars, it's it's, it's just, just the racism. racism. Not even just the racism, not even cars yeah. related. Ambivalent uh, on the cars. Yeah, so the government really went from strength to strength this week with uh, all that. That um uh Training Wheels Prime Minister Scott Morrison saying that he wanted to um, move the Australian embassy um, in Israel to Jerusalem. Uh, that was very funny. That was oh, very yeah. funny. Which he's which... like, he's so, like, so they've they've got like the Wentworth by election on very soon, and the 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 seat of Wentworth has a very high um, Jewish presence, has a very high Jewish population, and so he's clearly you know looked at a list, a sort of demographic breakdown of Wentworth and gone like. 
you know, just sitting there stroking his chin with his shark's cap on going, Jews, eh? Jews. <laughs> what are the you know Jews what, like? You know what Jews like? Zionism. I'm going to say something outrageously, you know, put forward some outrageously Zionist policy and they're going to lap it up. And then after he did it, it came out that like something like 50% of the uh, Jewish people in Wentworth were like, yeah, really like, crash on that idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, there is the other wrinkle to it that, um, that, you know, like when America has been pushing to do this, or they have done it now, um, Vice Vice President Mike Pence is like a super crazy evangelical. And, you know, for him, that's one of those, hey, one step closer to the rapture kind of moves. And um, Scott Morrison is also... Super, super Pentecostal. Yeah, I feel like if, if there's a real opportunity for a for a deep dive, if there are any people who are listening who are journalists and not just unemployed bucket bong smokers, um, <laughs> which is a perfectly a fine at, lifestyle choice. I would like to stress. I'm no, having a great time. No Legitimate career no choice. At all. Um, but it would be interesting to see if um, uh, Scott Morrison's particular sort of flavour of insane, charismatic Pentecostalism actually subscribes to that like just do a bit of a deep dive on uh shire live hmm they're definitely um what's the oh i can't remember the name of it now um the fuck um it's the kind of pentecostal where like the the more money you make the more god likes you ah yes prosperity yes prosperity Prosperity doctrine god wants you to be wealthy yes that's it the richer you are the better off you're doing in god's eyes beautiful stuff that's the God we all know and love. But speaking of embassies, <laughs> here's a story. Here's a story that I saw this week that I really enjoyed that came out of the Ecuadorian embassy. And we all know a fun little uh, closet-dwelling albino little from Australia <laughs> who is living in, uh, in the Ecuadorian embassy's broom closet. I'm, of course, talking about WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Um, and he has been told in a nine-page memo published by Ecuadorian website Codigo Vidrio. Oh, boy. Mm. Um, He is prohibited from, quote, interfering in the internal affairs of other states or from activities, quote, that could prejudice Ecuador's good relations with other states. Mr. Assange, who was granted asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy in London in 2012, was also told in the memo his pet cat would be confiscated and taken to an animal shelter if he did not look after it. Low blow. (laughs) That poor cat. I just feel terrible for that fucking cat. But so so it says in the thing, um, Ecuador has ordered Julian Assange to stick to a new set of house rules, including avoiding contentious political issues cleaning his bathroom and looking after his cat if he wants the internet reconnected. <laughs> he's only allowed to play Fortnite until he's uh, after he's folded all the laundry. <laughs> so good. I love that like that he's done this whole thing and he's just wound up being forced to be like Ecuador's teenage son. Ecuador's ungrateful teenage son. <laughs> so good. Look, if you want me to turn the router back on, do all your homework. And be nice to your mother. Be nice to you. Um, what's a what's a good name for his cat, folks? What would you call Julian Assange's cat? I, I feel like I'm I'm really in two minds about this. Where on one hand I sort of expect the name of his cat to be, you know, if you were like 
sort of cosplaying like an 11 year old and you're like what would like a cat crazy 11 year old call that cat like you know miss miss kitty paws muffin mm-hmm. darling fantastic but then on the other hand i'm like i think there's an equal chance that his cat is called something like you, you know bitcoin greg <laughs> <laughs> my uh my 2 year old mave Friend of the show, my daughter Maeve. <laughs> my good friend, my good friend Maeve. Yes, she has um, just started going to like a little a little daycare at somebody's house. Um, she went to her first day today, and they they have a Labrador, but they also have just acquired a kitten named Slinky. And Slinky is a good name for a kitten. That's a good it name. Is. That's very descriptive. That's Holy a great name. name. Well, you know, a, a a kitten's gonna flop around just like a Slinky. Oh dear, on Sunday WikiLeaks said Mr. Assange would be reconnected to the internet But it was not clear whether the move was contingent on him agreeing to Ecuador's conditions I love the idea that they just fucking hate him and want him out of there Yeah, imagine like Just having this guy who has played a massive role in leaking footage of some of the like these actual war crimes perpetrated by the US and the end result is you just being like, dude, we're fucking doing it. We're literally telling 7 billion people that you have got to clean your fucking bathroom, you gross fucking shit. <laughs> you got to clean, you got to pick up all your cat shit. Your cat's been pissing through all the piles of dirty laundry that you leave around the place. The whole wing of the embassy that you're in smells like ammonia. Everybody hates it. <laughs> God damn. God Damn, no one likes Julian Assange. Um, but here's another here's another little fun piece of news from this week that I enjoyed, and I thought I would share with you. Um, and it was basically, you guys know how I love a con artist, right? Yes. Sure. Okay. Sure. So here's the story from Adam Cooper in the Age. How a 16-year-old boy came to be driving a fake emergency truck to accident scenes around Melbourne is as bizarre as the tale itself, the court has heard. Not content to finish school before eyeing a policing career, the boy embarked on what investigators allege is a serious chain of events that began with falsely reporting a burglary and ended with him speeding around the city's busiest roads in an emergency truck complete with red and blue flashing lights. Between those points, the boy allegedly defrauded an insurance company of more than $100,000, duped a hire car firm, used the online identities of his father and other adults to falsify documents, and even created a corporate accountant who existed in name only all before his 17th birthday. This is fucking badass. Yeah, honestly, this kid sounds like a mensch. This kid (laughs) rules. Uh, quote, this type of behavior is breathtaking in its inception execution. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this before, a magistrate said in a Victorian children's court on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) The teenager, who is now 17 and working at McDonald's, was sitting in court with his mother. He cannot be identified. It is a, he is alleged to have last year falsely reported a burglary to his mother's home and used a $39,000 insurance payout to buy camera gear, a drone, and partly fund a white Isuzu truck that he later had converted into an emergency services vehicle. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> his lawyer on Wednesday said the teenager actually stopped the vehicle at traffic accidents and dreamed of being a police first responder. This probably wasn't the right way to go about it, the lawyer said. 
<laughs> I'm just imagining like the children's magistrate sitting there, you know, with their head and their hands going like, oh, fucking mate, look, why can't you just be like all the other little shits I see in here? Why can't you just fucking steal eight boxes of fucking McNuggets from McDonald's? Just do a knife crime like a normal kid, you know? Just egg your math teacher's house. Come on, mate. <laughs> the teenager last year had a legitimate website design business, but allegedly claimed it was a multinational corporation. <laughs> he was the chief executive, but in reality, the sole employee. He also hired an office in Queen's Road. Police allege that last year he used his father's identity online to open an account with a hire car company and regularly drove cars despite being unlicensed. (laughs) When his father learned of the account and had it closed, his son allegedly took on another man's online identity and opened another hire car account. (laughs) Well, he's, you know, he's got, he's, he's got some um, stick-to-itiveness there. He's resourceful. We're always trying to build resilience in children. And yet this man is, this, this boy is, uh, is punished. On another occasion, the boy allegedly liaised with a trucking business under the name Alex Elliott, who was purported to be the accountant for the website design company, but who police say does not exist. Allegedly fraudulent documents allowed the boy to buy the truck and then have it fitted with red and blue flashing lights, and police accuse him of funding his plans through two other insurance payouts related to false reports of burglaries at the office. So he's rented out an office, insured it, then made two fake insurance claims. Police allege that he told investigators he was in Canberra during one of the break-ins and showed them false bank statements to support his alibi. Wow. This dude's fucking busy as shit. Mm. In August last year, soon after getting his learner's um, learner's driving permit, he got the truck, and between September 20th and October 15th last year, he is accused of driving the truck on Hoddle Street, Punt Road, St. Kilda Road, and Flinders Street, among others. On AFL Grand Final Day last year, police say he sped at 121 kilometers per hour in the Burnley Tunnel. Oh my god. (laughs) On another occasion, he allegedly ran a stoplight 29 seconds after it had turned red. The boy's 120 charges include reckless conduct endangering serious injury, attempting to obtain a financial advantage, making a false report, dealing with the proceeds of crime, theft, unlicensed driving, and other traffic offences. He is yet to enter a plea. I need to find this kid so I can um, start a drug running business with him. Fuck yeah. It just seems like that's inevitably where he's he's going. You know, uh, quality of uh, rack in Australia is absolutely in the toilet at the moment. abysmal, abysmal. I think he's the man who could really fix this problem for us. Well, it's funny because, like, I I got sent this story by mother of the show, my mother, um, like, a day after watching Catch Me If You Can, uh, which I I don't know if we were talking about it on a recent podcast or something. I feel like we did. And and I just chucked it on on Netflix while I was doing something, and I was like, yeah, Steven Spielberg, make that movie. Better than Avatar. And, um, And, yeah, I was just, I was enjoying in that film the the way Spielberg casts like the whole the whole first half of the movie where he's just doing shit and getting away with it with this like sense of wonder you know the whole thing's this very magical unfolding of events none of it is cast as being bad it's all like isn't it amazing that this is happening and it's going so well uh, and then I saw the story and was like yep that's how it was all how it was all going for this um 16-year-old Australian kid, I guess. 
But uh, oh, but aren't they always uh, you know getting on kids these days to do do startups and stuff? Yeah. I remember I watched a, I watched an episode of uh, this, I think it was like the seven thirty report a bunch of months ago, and they intended it as this like quite uplifting story about how like teens at this high school are being uh, encouraged to sort of pursue their startup dreams, and then this scene where they got all the these poor fucking kids like divided them into groups of three and made them sort of um, come up with a pitch for a startup, and then they invited all these um, uh, venture capitalists to come and. It was like a science fair, but like horrendously late capitalist in tone where they would all like walk around and the kids would like pitch their startups. And the voiceover was quite positive, was like, we're, you know, developing uh, young people's technological and business skills for the future. And the whole time I was just like, this is death. You're you're (laughs) killing these children. So, um... That kid's lawyer and police prosecutors both supported him being put on the court's diversion program, which spares first-time offenders a criminal record if they admit their wrongdoing. Uh, the investigating police officer indicated he didn't support that outcome. Of course you didn't, you fucking pig. And the magistrate questioned whether it was appropriate that the boy had the slate wiped clean given the serious allegation. Uh, he exploited loopholes, breached people's trust for his own gain and endangered lives on the road, the magistrate said, although he acknowledged the boy was now seeing a psychologist and youth justice worker, was working and had good prospects. He, quote, he's going to do well at whatever he does. He is a highly productive young man. I have <laughs> exactly. no doubt he will be a success. We just don't want it to be criminal. Let a player play, you know? Come on. Get off his case. There was one extra story from this week that I quite liked, uh, which was from last night. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, so the the Assistant Shadow Minister for Indigenous Affairs, Pat Dodson, uh, wrote a letter to oh my God. Environment Minister Melissa Price and the PM asking for an apology because he was having dinner with... Anote Tong, uh, a former president of Kiribati. Oh, yes. And he was out to dinner with the former president and Melissa Price came up to him. And according to Pat Dodson and also a very large number of witnesses now, uh, what Melissa Price said to this man was, I know why you're here. It's for the cash. For the Pacific, it's always about the cash. I have my checkbook here. How much do you want? She said to <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize nominee and... <laughs> she, she, she said this to a table of like five or six people, which included, I think, like a Labour senator, someone from the coalition... Uh, the, and like the president the of the Refugee of Council of Australia. Refugee councils, yeah. Great stuff. And all of them confirmed this version of events um she got up in um is she a senator or Uh, an mp house reps she got up in the house reps and said i i 150 percent no she said i i 100 percent dispute this thing it is completely wrong which i think people have then noted leaves her absolutely no room to move (laughs) on this thing she can't say well that's not how i remember the events or whatever um she is she has flatly disputed this thing that like you know a table full of people with 
very reasonable reputations have all said happen. So, um, just another feather in the cap of the Australian government when it comes to offending the shit out of other countries. I, I saw this story earlier and immediately looked up uh, Kiribati, a nation that I know absolutely nothing about until I saw the story. So, it's like... Uh, it's population 110,000, I think, and it's basically about a dozen tiny, tiny, tiny little islands and sort of reef atolls, which if you look at them on the map, they, like, if you drew a circle around them or, like, an oval, the size of the oval would be, like, the same size as Australia. But they're just these tiny, tiny little islands that are really, really far away from each other. Like, they're a former British colony... Um, and and she's like, oh, you just come here to get out the checkbook, have you? And so I'm like reading Wikipedia and find that actually two of the islands of Kiribati disappeared underwater in 1999. Fucking hell. <laughs> wow. <sighs> it's, already, it's already happening. It's already happening for them. And she's just like, fuck you, you fucking island savages. How dare you? It's like, um, yeah, Peter Dutton. When he got caught on that hot mic talking about, oh, you know, t- time doesn't mean as much when you got water lapping at your door. Which, you know, you would think that that kind of jibes with the whole idea that the coalition doesn't believe in climate change. But, but hey, yeah. well, what would we know? All right, folks, should we take some questions? Yeah. Get in there. The old mailbag. Friend of the show, single payer Sonic Mpreg. Oh no. <laughs> asks How much should the curvy wife guy be awarded in damages? Sorry, someone's gonna have to explain to me. Did something happen to the curvy wife guy? Who's, is he yeah, suing? You guys don't know about the curvy wife guy thing? I so, mean so, I know there's a new development. Oh yeah, he's um he's suing Babe magazine. He's suing the curvy wife guy wrote this fucked like motivational book. Just like, you know, like rip off Tim Ferriss shit. Right. Like, uh, if you're unsuccessful, instead of thinking bad thoughts, have you tried thinking good <laughs> thoughts and being positive? <laughs> so you wrote this book and it got reviewed by Babe.net. And Babe.net, in a review that you should all look up because it's completely hilarious, um, compared him um, to the uni- – the, he compared his book to the Unabomber Manifesto <laughs> and said that the Unabomber came off quite well in comparison to this fucking idiot's book. <laughs> And so he decided he was like... Didn't they do that thing where they were like comparing passages and so pick pick which one you think it came from? (laughs) Oh my God, that rules. So he's suing them, obviously. Allegedly he's suing them, but he like the sort of... Babe.net posted a, a piece of communication that they received from him on their website and he is basically just saying, like, you people are simply haters. I will not accept this <laughs> negative energy into my life. <laughs> it's like, wait, no, you're suing them. You're the one who's taking them to court. Is that not pretty negative, my dude? It makes you the hater. Yeah. But he won't accept this. And so I believe actually all of his assets should be um, confiscated and distributed. Um, to curvy to wives the- everywhere. <laughs> I agree. What even yeah. is his job? I don't. I don't understand what him or the curvy wife's job is apart from posting. It's just posting. I'm pretty sure it's just posting. You yeah. can make money from posting on Instagram. It's incredible. It is wild, but it also Not seems like you. It yeah, also I like to see- the way you're constantly imperiling your job whenever you post. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it seems like for the for the Instagram thing though that you also have to like massively compromise your own identity and every aspect of your life in order to make some sums of money from But I would do that. Yeah. I would do that on Twitter. A mental illness essentially. Yeah. To make money on Instagram. Every every one of those every one of those articles that comes out from some young lady who's like I had the perfect Instagram life, but it turns out it wasn't so perfect. Mm. Every one of those things makes me feel like I'm having a fucking stroke when they're all like, yeah, it looked like fun, but I would make my boyfriend take 6,000 pictures of me in a swimsuit before I would post it or whatever. Um, I saw a post on um, uh, the Reddit relationship subreddit, highly recommended, by the way, if you don't read it compulsively like I do, that was basically the boyfriend of an Instagram influencer was like, having to take 600 photographs of my girlfriend <laughs> whenever we go anywhere is destroying my relationship. Now, we have a recurring segment on the show called Paging Dr. Lucy, in which Dr. Lucy gives advice to Reddit relationship posts. Yep. Oh, love yeah. it. Love it. We do love it. Being an uh, Instagram boyfriend would be horrible, I've got to oh, say. Why would I, you do my it? Heart, my heart really went out to this poster. It just sounded like fucking hell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let me see here. Let me see here. Uh, friend of the show, Twitter user Duke Latham asks, um, Eleanor, which is more infuriating, the tampon tax, craft beer, or difficult video games? Um, the tampon tax, for sure. Yeah. Are they, are they the finally- whole tampon tax debate really, really fucking gets my dander up. It's gone now, goat? isn't it? Didn't they do it? It's done. They did. They it's did gone. do it. They axed the tax. <sighs> yeah, and now I have fucking four dollars a year in my wallet that I didn't have before. Woo! Thanks, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. It's really fixed. It's fixed all sexism. Sexism's yeah, yeah, over. Finally, sexism's absolutely over. And, does, that, um, does that mean we don't have to have two women on the show anymore? Jeez. Yeah. We can afford our tampons now, you know? No, we have to have um, two tampons as guests on the show now. Because you can afford it. Oh, dear. Uh, Let's see here. Wife of the show, Carl. Sweet, sweet wife, Carl. Carl asks, which of Eleanor's online bits is her favorite so far? Anne Chongus, Sleeve Dog, one I've forgotten? Uh, I think definitely... The Tony sucked me off once. That's, yeah, that's, that's my favorite. My favorite. Is still my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So I for... think the, the the first one of those I the first suck me off bit I ever posted I was like outrageously drunk. <laughs> I think I just come home from a party and it was like two a.m. or something, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I made a sexual gag about Tony? <laughs> Thinking I would get like, like five faves and like eight replies telling me to fucking go to hell and fuck off, etc. <laughs> it's just it's so like it's it's perfect because he d- despite his um his bevy of daughters, he is also like one of the most asexual beings on the planet. I find him very sexual. Really? Mm. Oh, we've all seen that footage of him winking <laughs> while he was on the radio. Yeah, yeah. I sort of have to agree with Lucy here. Like, even just the way, you know, when he's at press conferences where he sort of almost like a, you know, lizard-like way sort of licks his lips. Like, mm. If he could reach his eyeballs, guy. he would do it. Beady eyes, darting tongue. 
It's horrible. Oh, it's but awful. It is sexual for mm. sure. It's uncomfortably sexual. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Well, I I guess as well when you consider like a how completely consumed he is by you know culture war debates about other people's sexuality as he was during the mm. marriage debate that sort of thing, um, and his uh, rampant Catholicism. And, like, how obsessed he is with notions of masculinity and physicality. It's because he's thinking about fucking all the time. Do you yep. remember when um, that, well, that, that guy popped up and he was like, oh, I think I might be Tony Abbott's illegitimate son? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. yeah. Because Tony Abbott fucks so much that he has fucking kids that he didn't... It turned out that it wasn't his kid in the end, but it was plausible that it could have been. Well, it was plausible to Tony. That was the telling part. Totally, totally. He was like, well, maybe. Yep, could be true. Could <laughs> maybe. be true, mate. <laughs> Uh, we have a follow-up question here from Carl, which is uh, less a question, more of a prompt. What obscure goth bullshit are you listening to at the moment? Uh, I've been listening to a bit of... Um, it's not really obscure. I don't really get into the obscure goth bullshit. I get into, you know, just the widely beloved goth bullshit. But I have been listening to quite a bit of Sisters of Mercy recently. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, um, I feel a bit of a, bit of a maverick because... Um, my favourite uh, Sisters of Mercy album is um, First and Last and Always, which is otherwise widely acknowledged to be their second best album. Well, um, I would like to recommend the soundtrack to the 2014 movie The Guest. Because okay. that, shit, that shit bangs. It's extremely good. Um, the movie is also really, really good. Uh, it's got a guy from oh, yeah. um, Downton Abbey. Nice little guy, um, but yeah, he he turns up at the at the house of a like the family of a dead veteran and says, "Ah, I knew your son, and I should I would like to stay here and talk to you for a while." Um, and then lots of psycho killing and shit ensues. Um, but yeah, the the soundtrack's got like um, Sisters of Mercy and Hell yeah. Clan of Zymox and Love and Rockets and oh, yeah. um. But also like perturbator and sort of newish dark synthwave shit as well from the soundtrack. Um, great soundtrack, great movie. If you want to see some bones popping out of skin, I don't want to see that stuff. in any circumstance. Oh, it's badass! It's badass! It's great. Not movie. for me. If you like um, horror type thrillers, folks, with great goth soundtracks. My favorite um, this is a mercy thing is that um, they don't have a drummer. They just have a they just use a drum machine, but they gave the drum machine a name. <laughs> so goth. They called it a uh, uh, with a, they doctor with a K, Doctor Avalanche. <laughs> wow. <laughs> when I saw that when I was like fourteen years old, I was like, I want to fuck all of you guys. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh, wife of the show, Brick Dust Otis, asks. Um, I drink my daily allotment of Rockstar out of a coffee cup, warm, at my desk. Am I valid? No. What the fuck, dude? No. No, it's awful. It's awful. I think once you're at the point of drinking warm Rockstar, you should just consider taking caffeine tablets like a truckie. You should. Rockstar's not even... I mean, it's that's the lowest tier of energy drink. Totally. Oh. I'd rather have a, a, a good old-fashioned sugar-free V than a Rockstar. Mm, I like a sugar-free V. I'm not no, ashamed man. to say that I will occasionally pick up the odd sugar-free Red Bull. Sugar-free mm. Red Bull? Uh, that's also a valid choice as long as you don't drink it warm. No, I, it's I cold would, most times. I would like to shout out sugar-free Red Bull as just the superior Red Bull full stop. 
I think it is the superior Red Bull. Well, the yeah, other one, you right. can sort of feel physically feel it. You can sense it really rotting your teeth. Yeah. Yeah, you well, kind of um, got to take that slight edge off. I only Sh- accept that when I'm eating delicious chocolate. I'm not willing to accept it from a, you know, low-rent energy drink. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to say something that might divide our listeners, which is there is no lower form of scum to me than the people I see at like 8.30 in the morning with a pint can of Rockstar or Mother or some shit. Oh, Mother. Get a fucking coffee or just get up, early, go to bed earlier. Just yeah. learn to like psychiatrist, coffee. Get diagnosed with ADHD and <laughs> Have just take some a self-respect. I saw a guy at like 9am the other day and he was holding like um, two Red Bulls in one hand and oh the one on God. top was open. Ugh. It's like, Ugh. come the fuck on, please. Get your not, even, not, even, not even double fisting them, just one on top of the other. One, one hand. Well, they're skinny enough. They're skinny He's enough. He's not that fucking you can... around. He's not fucking around. Oh, I used to um, I used to work in a building, like in an office, where the bottom half of the of the building was call center, and um, so every day walking in in like the Melbourne CBD, there'd be you know you know everybody's being drawn into the same building, the horrible magnetism of capitalism, mm. and um. You always like stop at the traffic lights before walking across the street in this place and someone will walk up next to you and there'll always be, you know, people like smoking a cigarette, chewing gum and drinking a Red Bull at like 8.30 a.m. Oh, it's disgusting. Fucking vile combo. What, all at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. No, the power move is that you smoke the cigarette and then you drink the Red Bull and then you have the gum. No, that would be sensible. That would make sense. That so would that be you, like your breath doesn't fucking stink. That like would be a death pit full of corpses when you go into the office. Yeah, that would be some kind of logical progression of trying to like clean out the worst smell with the not as bad one and then tidy up the not as bad one with the one that's supposed to override the other smells no instead you would get people chewing gum and smoking a ciggy red bull in the other hand all these things going on at once and i'll just be like what the fuck is happening inside your mouth right now that's hell to me that is absolute absolute chaos absolute chaos now we got uh lover of the show travis jordan here who i believe Somebody tell me if I'm wrong. I believe he is very active on the um, praxis of the show. Oh, uh, very much so. He's maybe one of the few people that listens to this podcast that actually affects real change in the world. Yes, that actually does um, organizing and that kind of stuff. So um, we're going to give you his question, Eleanor, and we're we're just glad it's not being directed at us. (laughs) It's going at you instead. Uh, Travis says... It's easy to feel powerless and impotent in Australia's political climate. Maybe you, buddy. (laughs) Um, How do you stay passionate (laughs) and optimistic about the future? And how do you think we should be organizing better? Um... Well, this is, I, I'm going to have to give a two-part answer. Both of both of the parts of this answer are going to be extremely disappointing to everyone <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> the first is I do not stay optimistic. Um, I am an inveterate pessimist about absolutely everything that goes on in the world, most of all in Australia. Um, and the second part of the answer is um, I don't organise at all. Um, I went through like a long period about sort of one or two years ago where I was like, basically trying to answer this question for myself, like 
what could I possibly be doing to sort of, you know, in a socialist sense, sort of, you know, live my live my beliefs? You know, what's an appropriate amount of praxis for me to be taking part in? And I ultimately came to the conclusion that the answer is really none. <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that's true for everyone, but for me at least, like I looked at my options. I looked at my sort of you know what what could I join? Like I'm not I've never joined an organization in my life. I'm not really a joiner at all. But I seriously considered it for quite a while and eventually came to the quite sad conclusion that, A, there is sort of nothing in Australia that I would be willing to, um, you know, wholeheartedly take part in at this current time. And also, as a corollary, even if there was, I probably wouldn't. Oh, can I, can I ask you a question? Can I break yeah. in with a sub-question here? Of course. I, you were taking some questions on Twitter the other day. Mm-hmm. And one of them was about whether you would join a, or what you think of a particular local socialist organization. Oh, yeah, SALT. SALT? Sol- socialist Alternative, SALT. Yes. Oh, oh boy. Yes, and because I was trying to remember which one it was, and you said, it's a cult, don't join. It is a cult. Yes, it is a cult. <laughs> and I just wondered if you it. wanted to elaborate slightly. Um, I think uh, there's actually a piece that was written in, um, and don't don't hold, please try not to hold this against it, but in the Sydney University student newspaper called Onisoir, which is spelled. Is that H-O-N-I. how you say that? Yes, Onisoir. I'm just no, Lucy, Lucy, it's not. Please. It's not honey can, soy to like we've been can, thinking. Honey soy. Honey soy. But. The piece is, um, I think, from 2016, and it's called My Salty Summer. And it's basically this fucking poor guy detailing how he sort of got involved in SALT and just found the whole experience like totally, you know, disillusioning. And it's basically like a weird fucking like socialist pyramid scheme where they recruit a bunch of younger members and they constantly have to be recruiting because hardly anyone stays around very long because the group itself is so fucking toxic and yeah, awful. A high turnover is always a very encouraging sign. Mm. Well, yeah, exactly. It's extremely, like, extremely, you know, red flag sus. Um, and, yeah, this guy was basically like, yep, I." they tried to just pressure me into a whole bunch of stuff. They have these really like sort of stringent ideological dogmas that if you don't adhere to, you tend to get like uh, sort of bullied or like they try and re-educate you out of it and stuff, which I completely believe. Um, I had a housemate who was in to salt for a while and I, um, quite a few years ago, and I went along to a bunch of stuff with her and I was just like basically horrified by the whole thing. And that really sort of got rid of any, you know, sort of lingering guilt that I had at the time about not being involved in sort of campus socialist politics because I was a uni at the time. Yeah, I think... Bad. It's very bad, mm. folks. And it's it's rough, though, because, like, we we frequently get questions about this kind of thing and we honestly quite often don't have a great answer or know what to say because it seems like your two options in Australia at this point are to try to join and you know affect change in some kind of small organization and it seems like a lot of those tend to be these kinds of things um seem to be very small groups it's similar to like you know some of like the complaints you see about some branches of dsa in the states 
where because yeah. they're mm. small organizations, I think, I think, I think there's a lot of potential in those sorts of organizations for individuals who get into there because they go, Hey, I can be a big fish in this small pond. I can be the psycho who insists on ideological purity and I can, yeah, totally. yeah, and I can command a room and I can force everybody to agree with me and all this kind of shit. I guess I sort of do have a, I guess maybe not the answer that people are looking for, but I do have an answer to this question, which is like, you know, your, you know, your options for, you know, volunteering your time to try and make the world a better place are not limited to joining a socialist organization. Um, I, um, you know, have volunteered for um, uh, sort of uh, rape crisis stuff. I've volunteered for um, sort of domestic violence organizations before. I've volunteered for like um, uh, reproductive health and abortion organizations before. Um, uh, I'm currently um, writing a piece for Frankie at the moment where I'm interviewing the founder of an organization called Women on Waves um, which um, was started by a Dutch doctor who would sort of sail a ship around places where abortion was inaccessible and try and um, provide medical abortions to women wow. in international waters. And they now do a lot of stuff online where you can, for I think the price is like 90 euros, if you live in a country where abortion is restricted, um, they will mail you... Um, abortion inducing drugs I find all, all of that stuff and like a s sort of um, activism in um, volunteering for like homelessness organizations um, volunteering for even you know stuff like Meals on Wheels I just find all that stuff so much more compelling than joining a socialist organization in Australia at the moment and that might change in the future but currently I don't I just can't really see that getting involved getting involved in much sort of socialist politics in Australia is really worth it. Mm. But there is a lot of other stuff you can do. Uh, and as always you can join your union. You know, like a, a powerful a powerful labor union movement probably has a lot more potential to affect genuine change in, you know, workplaces and labor markets than mm. Yeah, for sure. I think it's sort of um it depends on the union. Yes. But I would, don't join I, the I, SDA I'm, I'm for example. Don't join the fucking... No, well, you probably should fucking join the MEAA. I did, but, you know, they're fucking useless. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably probably depends on where you work as to whether or not that particular union is, is going to help you out a bunch. Worth looking into, yeah. though. Worth looking into. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, by, by and large, I think the general rules are the more people from the more workplaces that are involved in their unions and, like... Directi directly interacting with their unions, um, the more likely it is that you can affect change on, you know, a workplace or a corporation or whatever, rather than saying, oh, I'm going to join this organization or I'm going to join this political party or I'm going to vote mm. this way and expect them to, to turn around and clamp down on some, some corporate entity that donates hundreds of thousands of dollars a year more to them than I do. I guess I would, I would also, for anyone who is sort of uh, interested in this question, I would strongly recommend that you read a book called Nihilist Communism, which I think is like freely, pretty freely available online if you Google it. 
um, which I don't agree with 100%, but it does present an extremely fucking compelling critique of sort of socialist and anarchist activism. Um, I, th- I think the context that that was written in was like, you know, 90s UK, but it does generalise quite a lot and it's a really good thing to read if you're interested in this stuff for sure. And what have we, what have we got left here? A uh, friend of the show, Daniel Lambert, asks, have any of you experienced any anti-white racism recently? <laughs> I hear it's a big problem. Uh, Look, um, I got to confess, mm. I was... I was ordering food at a Thai restaurant recently and the lady behind the counter called me an alabaster bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Called me a pasty fuck. Big fat pink boy. Is that because that's the name on your driver's license? (laughs) (laughs) Alabaster Q bitch. (laughs) (sighs) I don't know if I've uh, suffered any anti-white racism, but I may have actually perpetrated some. <laughs> sure. You know, now, now and then, here, here and there. Not really ever. I think I it. have. I've got, like, someone made me a certificate online that said anti-white. White. Nice. White anti-white. It had a little medal on I it. I assume so. this was on Twitter. This was on Twitter. Thank you. But I, I guess I have been wow, perpetrating you're it. you're officially an anti-white Sorry racism. for that. Mm. No, well, that's yeah. So that's not racist against you. That's just saying that you are you are a racist against the most persecuted race of all, the whites. Also, when ordering dinner, I have had them be like, "Are you sure it is very spicy?" Oh, that's the so, worst kind. That's you know. the worst kind of racism. <laughs> yes, I can use Her. chopsticks. I don't need a fork. Thank you. Yes, unbelievable. Thank- I love unbelievable. I love when that happens because like you always see you know fear in their eyes where it's like. White people have ordered this dish before and they have immediately gone on like racist tirades that other patrons in the restaurant filmed on their mobile phones. <laughs> and it's like, this is a, you know, an instinct honed by years of experience that I respect. Uh, I'm going to give you one final question and then we're going to get out of here. This is from wife of the show, Aki. Aki asks, what would be your favorite wild animal to have as a pet? And why? Why the fuck would I want to have a wild animal as a pet? Oh, there are lots of weird, cool animals that would be cool it's to have It's clearly a, a monkey. It's got to be a monkey of some kind, I was going to have right? a wild animal as a pet. I'd just have a fucking child. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Woo! My mum used to say that um, kids are basically shaved monkeys. Yeah, that's fair. That's so, true. That's fair. Yeah. I always used to think to myself when my kids were smaller... Um, that anybody who doesn't believe in evolution has never watched, like, a two-year-old eat a banana. <laughs> that's, that's sorted out right there. I still... I, one of my favourite tweets in the world is that one that uh, you did, Andrew, of, um, I think it was Maeve <laughs> wearing a pair of your boots on her... She had my wife's blundstones on, on her hands, right, except right. the size that her hands were. They just go all the way up to the shoulders. And said, uh, Yeah, if evolution isn't real, why does my child have four legs? Checkmate. <laughs> Explain this. <laughs> Um, I will say on the wild animal front that, like, here's here's another contentious take for the Twitter crowd. Every time I see, like, um, somebody reposting one of those, like, uh, a cute Japanese account, and it's, like, someone 
Someone the lizard? Are you talking about the lizard? It's, it's whatever the fuck. It's it's lizards. It's like it's birds. it's lemurs. It's exotic birds. It's all the shit that people have in their fucking six meter square like tiny apartment in Tokyo. Oh yeah, and their tiny little Japanese apartment. They've just got yeah. this like, giant iguana. I was like, look at this cute animal. I'm like, why the fuck do you have that as a pet in your house? Don't do that. Animal hates you. Don't do it that. It doesn't love you. It's a lizard. It has cold blood. It does not know love. There's just... There's hey, are you talking about lizards or my ex-wife? Hey, hey. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, Ben, I'm sorry that you made the choice to get married to a lizard, but that's really on you. It's true. I shouldn't have done that. And in retrospect, uh, every single person that told me at the wedding not to do it was right. <laughs> they were right. I can't believe your entire best man speech was about how you should not be marrying this lizard. <laughs> uh, at the time, I was very pissed off, but looking back on it now, uh, everyone really did have my best interests at heart. We were trying to have your back, man, and you, you know, you threw us to the threw us to the lions. I really didn't appreciate it. Uh, well, maybe next time be a little more adamant. <laughs> well, folks, we've gone very long here. It's a bumper episode. But that's what happens when um, your respect forces you to listen to two women's voices. Oh, man. Nagging. Just constant <laughs> nagging. Cause it's gone over time. Usually when I listen to podcasts, it's because I'm doing really boring housework. Mm. So I'm just hoping that whoever's listening to this fucking extremely long podcast got, like, all... Stacked the dishwasher. Yep. Like, folded all the laundry. Dusted on top of the bookshelves. Exactly. Yep. I don't. I don't like it when A podcasts... deep clean of the freezer. I don't, That's ambitious. I don't like it when podcasts go too long because then I have to start like breaking it up into separate listens. I love that. You oh. want a unified, harmonious podcast listening experience. Everyone's running mm. one hour and I can listen to it on my commute or whatever. But um, as soon as a podcast like it's two hours long, that's turning into two or three listens for me. I'm picking it back up and I'm like, where, where were we in this conversation, guys? And they do not answer. Because it turns out... That's why I only listen to podcasts that don't make any sense. Mm. Yeah, that too. That's going to be a problem. Uh, so, thank you, Elnor. Uh, my absolute pleasure. Mm. Anytime. You can find Elnor on Twitter at the aforementioned Marrowing. Uh, you can find Elnor's many writings scattered about the internet. You can find all my many writings at elnor.biz, my website. We will link that one up in the old show notes. Oh, yeah. Um, get you some hits. Is that real? Get you some traffic. Yeah. I, I am so glad that I got uh, the URL Eleanor.biz. It's one of my few good things that I've done in That's my where life. you do your business. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. Open you are not lying. Hmm. Nope. Sick. That's my website. Nice. That is a tight URL, bro. Thank you very <laughs> much. Rupert helped me. I <laughs> kind of assumed. I sexistly assumed <laughs> that just because he is a massive <laughs> nerd lord... Uh, who does well, web stuff correct. constantly. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. Hey, speaking of tight URLs, oh. you could go and visit patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista <laughs> if you would like to get an extra episode of the show every week for only five US clams, 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 clams. <laughs> wow. And, of course, you can go to puntavista.com forward slash... That's not the backslash. That's not the one that's tipping over to the left side of your monitor. You want the forward slash the right forward motion progress forward slash merchandise and you can pick up some merchandise i reckon i might have to buy a t-shirt now 
That's pretty good. Lucy, Lucy so you, show my you got a shirt, didn't you, Lucy? I got a shirt. The Hell yeah. Well-fitting for ladies, you know? Mm. I appreciate that. Did you that. get the ladies raglan? I did get the ladies oh, raglan. That's very the one cute. that I was nice. looking at. Nice. Nice. Uh, and that will do us for this week. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for your time. Cheers, folks. Thanks for your extra 50% of show. Uh, enjoy it. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. See ya. Bye.